of Acts chapter 2, there was, there was a move of God that happened in an upper room. They heard a sound like wind. It's like fire sat on each of them. Disciples, 120 people in this room. And the Bible says they began to speak in tongues. People outside could even hear them. And some of them could hear them in their own language in this metropolitan area. And they were amazed. The Bible says two things. They were amazed and they were perplexed. They didn't understand it. You know, this amazing, but we're perplexed about it. And I think sometimes worship can be that for people. You may have come in here today, you may have said, well, what are all these people doing raising their hands up? Or what are these people doing clapping their hands? What's that about? Or this guy next to me jumping up and down? Or whatever. And so today, I feel like what I want to do is help those of you who maybe are amazed and perplexed. And you just wonder, why? Why do people worship like they do? And so we're going to look at a 30,000-foot view of worship today, different passages in the Bible so that I can give you as much as possible to help you to understand worship and why people at Crossroads, specifically this house that we meet in, why do we worship like we do? It's important to do, to understand what you do, but it's more important to understand why you do it, right? And so we're going to look at the why we worship like we do. So if you're following along in your notes, grab them and you can fill in the blanks. We worship like we do here, first of all, because God asked for it. God asked for it. And that alone would be enough for many of us, right? By the way, since my throat's a little bit uh, messed up, I don't want to get too crazy up here, so I need you to act a little more crazy today, all right? So this sermon will be better if you act like it, all right? Just, just saying. See... When God is God, he calls the shots. And if he doesn't call the shots, then he's really not God to you. Because if he's truly God, then, then we can't say, well, I like this part, but I don't like this part. I, I like doing this part over here, but I, I don't know, but I'm not real comfortable doing this part. See, if God is God, then we don't pick and choose. We just obey all of it. And if you were to open up the Bible and, and just let it fall open, it would probably open to the book of Psalms. Because the book of Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. 150 chapters of singing. God must be into singing, right? <laughs> 150 chapters of songs. So it's a big 
deal to God. And it's not if I feel like it. It's because he asks for it. It's, it's not, it, it doesn't really fit my style. Or I, I'm not really into that kind of music or whatever. No, the way the Bible speaks of worship, it's spoken of as a command. A command of God. Look at Psalm 150, and let's read this. It says, praise the Lord. Pretty clear. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath. How many are breathing still? Turn to the person next to you and say, it looks like you are. All right? Looks, looks like you are. If they're not, we need to resuscitate them right now, right? So everything that has breath, here's what you're supposed to do if you've got breath in your lungs. You're supposed to praise the Lord. And just in case you didn't get that, yeah, let me say it again, right? Praise the Lord. And so that's what we are made to do. We, we were asked to do this as a command. Now, now you may say, well, let, let me tell you, Craig, what, what praise means to me. Really? Seriously? Because it doesn't matter what praise means to you or me. It doesn't matter. It's not about what I think praise is. It's what does God think praise is. And the Hebrew word for praise in this chapter is the word halal. Halal is where we get our word hallelujah. And so what this word means is, look at this, to shine, to make a show, to boast, and thus be clamorously foolish to rave, to celebrate. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds more like Lucas Oil Stadium to me. <laughs> I, I, the way the Bible describes worship, it looks more like Sunday afternoon than it does Sunday morning in many churches. Oh, yeah. Let's do this, right? Psalms is is about, it it should be fun. And I think God enjoys it too. It's not just enjoyable for us. He asked for it. And and if he asked us to do this, then I don't know about you, but that's enough for me. I don't need any more points today. But just in case you do, here's the second point. All right, praise is our purpose. It's our purpose. It's our ultimate purpose. The book of Revelation says that for his pleasure we were created. We were created to give him pleasure. In other words, church service is not all about you. 
turn to the person next to you and just say, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Now, now, a big part of church is about you, and I'm glad you're here today, and I hope you go out better than when you came in. And, and we've got all kinds of classes, all kinds of good stuff going on around here to help you grow and be all God wants you to be. But our ultimate goal is to lift him up, all right, to lift him up. Up. Look at First Peter. Here's what it says. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to declare the praises of God, of what he's done in our lives, to show people whose we are, to reveal him to the world around us. Now, uh, maybe you've seen people that are a little bit more free in worship than you. I, I think that all of us have this longing, and, and therefore church should be fun. Not the world is fun, and the church is boring. I believe that's confused. I think when I read the Bible, that, that what ought to happen is Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the full. So if you don't have Jesus, you don't have full life. Come on, somebody. You don't have full life. And, and some people here, you know, maybe you don't have full life. And that's the reason why your worship is not where it ought to be. I, I believe when you, you get there, you're crazy about God who's crazy about you. Right? And, and so that's exactly why we praise him. But it's not just that. It's because of who he is. Because of who he is. See, sometimes I, I think we forget who God is. Because here's the thing. Is if, you know, if we brought some comedian in here, let's just say Jimmy Kimmel or somebody, and, and, and Jimmy was going to share a monologue with us, and he got up here and said, well, and just pause for a moment. Some people just start laughing. Why? Because Jimmy Kimmel said, well. And he's funny. He wouldn't even have to do anything. It's just because of his persona. Just because of who he is, his reputation. That we, we would just engage with that. I'm telling you, there's somebody here today who is the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the healer. He's the restorer. He's the savior of the world. He's the ultimate. He is the one and the only God of all gods, king of all kings, Lord of all lords, right? And the Bible says in Psalm 143, verse 145 verse 3. I got it out. There it is. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. If that verse wasn't enough, Psalm 48 verse 1 says it just like that. And Psalm 96 verse 4 talks about great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. As a matter of fact, it's all over the Bible. How great God is. 
is. So we just praise him for who he is. For who he is. And now this one. All right, let me just give a warning here. This may cause some people to shout, all right? Because we praise him because of what he's done. Has he done anything for you lately? I mean, sometimes, sometimes you might be in church and you look at somebody here and you say, man, why is that guy jumping up and down? Why does that person have their hands so far up in the air? Why are they clapping so furiously? Why are they shouting so loudly or singing so loudly? See, what you don't know is, is that guy used to be addicted to cocaine and could not get off of it. His life was going down fast, going nowhere, on his way, on a road straight to hell. But Jesus stepped into his life, set him free from cocaine. He no longer needs it in his life, and his life is now on a spiral toward heaven. That's why he gets excited in church. See, you can't help it. Uh, There was a lady one time, Jesus was at dinner. There were some religious people there, and he's lying down at dinner, which is how they used to do dinner. And, And so he was leaning on his arm up at the table and his feet down this way, and a woman came in. And uh, she wasn't a good woman. She was a prostitute, and, you know, everybody's talking about her. She started crying over his feet. And she started anointing his feet. And people said, oh, that's terrible. She shouldn't be doing that. That's excessive. Look at that. That's expensive perfume. And she's wasting it on his feet. Now, what's all that emotionalism? Talk, you know, over there crying and, and, all, and, and, and thanking him. And what, what is that? She shouldn't be doing that. And Jesus said, hey, hey, hey. The people who have been forgiven much, they love much. Anybody here been forgiven much? You don't deserve to come before him. You don't deserve to even name his name. You know that based upon your past, you deserve a spot in hell. But one day, Jesus came into your life, forgave you, washed you, cleansed you, enabled grace in your life like you've never known before. And today, you not only whisper his name, you want to shout his name because of what he's done. See, when I get up here, uh, you see me and you see me for who I am at this point in my life, but you don't see the shy teenage boy. You don't see the kid who didn't even want to get up in church and say a quote that was only about five words long that was given to him on a sheet of paper where all you got to do is read it. But see, when I get up here and I see what God can do, it just reminds me of of who I am and what I'm able to do through him who's enabled me, who's equipped me. 
And I, I used to be afraid to offend people. You know, I, I still don't want to offend people. There's still something in me. I, I want to be liked by people and all. But now I have a little bit more concern about offending people in a way that, that I'm not keeping them out of hell. And, and allowing people to continue to live their small, little, self-focused lives instead of living the big, purpose-filled life that Jesus came to put in you and in me. I can't believe what he does in here every Sunday as marriages are restored, as people who have gone through divorce and divorce care get reestablished and send thank you notes and just are so incredibly moved and healed and whole. And people who are students who come to faith in Christ, who are called into the ministry, kids who have come to know Jesus, maybe even some today, and will get baptized in this church, showing to this congregation that my life is is secure in Jesus. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to him that believes. And last year, more people, yeah, I'll say it again, were baptized than ever before in this church. And this year, even more are going to get baptized in this year because of what amazing things God is doing. And I'm sorry, I just can't hold that to myself, all right? I just can't keep it to myself. I heard about a country church where this little old lady was sitting in the front row and they got a new pastor and he was young and he was exciting and he'd talk about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and how we're going to go to heaven one day and and, and when the preacher got to preaching like that, well, she'd jump up and say, praise the Lord. And he'd lose his place, you know. It just <laughs> threw him off. And so the next week, he's preaching like that. And, and sure enough, she jumped up again and said, praise the Lord. And, and he lost his place again. So he thought, I know what I'm going to do. I know Mabel gets cold in church. So he went to Mabel and he says, I'll tell you what, I've got you a nice warm blanket We'll keep it here at the church on the front row where you like to sit every week. I know you get cold, so this blanket's for you, but with a condition that you don't jump up and shout in church. She knew she was cold, and she thought, oh, that blanket feels so good and so nice. She said, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, Pastor. Well, the next Sunday came along. She's all snuggled up in the blanket. He got to preaching about the grace the mercy, the love, the goodness, the forgiveness of God. Finally, Mabel jumped up and said, blanket or no blanket, praise the Lord. <laughs> I don't know about you, but blanket or no blanket, praise God for all he has done. Luke 19, verse 37, says it like this in the Message Bible. It says, the whole crowd of disciples burst into enthusiastic praise over all the mighty works they had witnessed. Some Pharisees from the crowd told him, teacher, get your disciples under control. But he said, if they keep quiet, the stones would do it for them, shouting praise. 
You see, God deserves so much praise that it doesn't matter if you don't praise him. He'll just raise up somebody else. And I don't know about you. I don't want some rock or stone beating, beating my time because he didn't die for the rock or the stones or the mountains or the hills or the trees or the animals. But he came, bled, and died for you and me. I heard about a military camp recently in North Carolina, and, and it's a one where these amazing, powerful jets fly into from the military, and there's many of them there. It's just a huge place, and the noise is so loud as they lift off and come in, and, and people were getting bothered by it, and so they were starting to talk about it, and so the military did this. They put a sign out on the highway, and it said, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. I don't know. I'd kind of like to have a sign like that around here somewhere. Maybe pardon our noise. But it's the sound of somebody who was bound, who was chained, who had no hope and without God. But one day Jesus came in and as a result, I cannot keep silent. I cannot shut up until I've shouted out his praise. Do you feel that way? Give him praise for it if that's the case. The next thing is because worship changes everything. Ah, if you'd get a hold of this, that in your darkest days, in your worst of times, in the hard and difficult situations that life can bring, if you would learn to praise him right in the middle of that, Boy, what happens? Let me, let me just explain it this way. You know, when, when I am starting out and I'm not in a spirit of worship, my problems, like right here, is just right in front of me. It's, it's up there, it's so big, and my worship's down here. But when I begin to worship, when I begin to lift him up, when I begin to praise him, when I begin to exalt him, when I think about his goodness and all he's done for me, all of a sudden my image of God and his glory and his power is in front of me. It's all over me and my problem is now small and insignificant. And I'm telling you, somebody here today, you need to get your God bigger and your problem will be smaller. Come on, somebody. If you begin to lift him up, if you begin to praise him, all of a sudden things will begin to shift. Yeah, the problem may still be there, but now you have a God who's bigger than your problem. See, my prayer is that you come in here realizing the power of praise that can fight off the enemy. Look at Psalm 18, verse 3. It says, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and what? He saved me from my enemies. When you begin to praise him, he will save you from 
your enemies. You may have come in here today, and I hope this happens week after week after week. You may come in here with a focus on your problem, on your situation, on your difficulty, but by the time you leave this place, I believe you should be focused on God and His greatness and His power and His glory. Don't take my word for it. Listen to this video testimony today. My name is Dory Price, and I've been coming to Crossroads Church for around 10 years now. So I was raised in a church growing up. Um, I was very conservative, and uh, which probably was most, I would say, for that time period, pretty normal. Um, it's not the same worship music that we kind of do today. It was a lot of hymns. So we would basically stand up. Um, they would give us a number in our hymnals to turn to, and that's what we would do, and we would sing a song. And um, there, there are a lot of awesome hymnals that I love and that I can worship to. Um, but uh, at that time, that was really the extent of what I knew about worship. Raising our hands in worship wasn't really part of it. Um, I never really knew that that was an option, um, or the ones that did were strange. <laughs> and um, I started moving towards a mindset of wanting to have a relationship with a God who really loved me, which is, like, awesome. <laughs> uh, and it's a great feeling. And as I was um, do as I was growing through that, I started, you know, listening to Christian music more often and to the point where that's all I really listened to. Um, it just kept my mind where it was, focused on him. And uh, so I've always loved to sing, even the hymns. I always loved to sing um, about Jesus, and uh, but it, it never was anything more than that. As my relationship continued to grow, the longer I've been at Crossroads, um, my, my relationship has just, just grown. And my desire to live a life more pleasing to God um, just started becoming um, what my heart was. So the songs, the meanings of the songs began to have a deeper meaning to me in that relationship. Um, I began wanting to raise my hands, but I still was struggling with the thought of what will people think. I didn't want to be a spectacle or distract because I was not used to this kind of worship. And that's what the enemy wants us to continue, wanted me to continue to think, um, that it was just not worth the risk. Um, there was a sermon not long, or almost exactly two years ago that Pastor Craig did on worship. And towards the end of it, he encouraged anyone to, to, that hadn't raised their hand in worship before to do so at that time. And at that moment, I decided to step out of my comfort zone and step into something else. When I took that risk and I stepped out, I had no idea what he had in store for me. And I have not worshiped with my hands down since. So since that day, my worship has become less about singing a song about God and more about singing to God. The enemy doesn't want you to know 
or understand the deep connection you'll have to God when you come before Him unhindered. So He wants to stop you at all costs to uh, not raise your hand, not open yourself up to God, not be vulnerable before Him. And if He can convince you through fear, through uh, just feeling uncomfortable, and if you can just dismiss that with whatever excuse, then you will never understand how deep the connection God desires to have with you. That worship, that's what worship can do. And I had not fully experienced that until I I lifted my hands and I stepped out of my, um, my comfort zone and my excuses. You know, when they say peace that surpasses all understanding, that's what doesn't make sense. It's because we have every reason not to be joyful, but yet we are. And it's we are because we are doing and being who He created us to be when we worship. That's awesome. I jumped right out of my microphone. I got so excited about that. I don't even know where it went. There we are. Welcome back. All right. Wasn't that awesome? Okay, how do we do this? We do it this way, in spirit and in truth. That's the kind of worship that God desires. Look at this verse. It says that the time is coming. Jesus is talking here. Indeed, it's here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking. I believe he's still looking. Not just 2,000 years ago. I think he's still looking today for those who will worship him that way. Some people say, well, I want to find God. Let me tell you something. If you'll start worshiping, he'll find you. Because he's looking for worshipers. He's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This lady said, well, some people say we're supposed to worship over there. Some people say we're supposed to worship like this. And, and what, what's right? Jesus said, it's not about that. It's about just stop right where you are and worship him in spirit and truth. Are we supposed to sing this song or are we supposed to sing that song? It's not about the song. It's about the subject. Hello? It's about who it's directed to. Some people say, well, you know, I, uh, I like it when they sing this certain song. Let me tell you something. If you need a certain song to praise the Lord, you're not much of a praiser. You're not much of a worshiper. Because it doesn't matter if the piano's in tune or out of tune. It doesn't make any difference if the guitarist hits the wrong note or not. I'm not there for the guitarist. I'm not there for the keyboard player. I'm not there for anybody else. I'm there for him and to lift him up. And it doesn't matter if there's music or there's no music or it's fast music or it's slow music. Come on, somebody. I'm on somebody right now. All right. I'll praise him because it's authentic, it's heartfelt, and it's just, you know, it just comes from you. And you may say, well, you know, I'm just not always emotional. Oh, let's get the Colts on TV, huh? <laughs> Yesterday, some of you, you're hoarse today because you were yelling at your television, you know? 
Some people buy plane tickets to go fly across the country to go see the team play or whatever, and I'm not knocking any of that. But, but I, what I am saying is, is if I need one of those football players to come to my house and bring me something, I, n- I need some chicken soup from Walmart. Uh, Andrew, could you bring that over? You know? How many think one of the team would come over and help me out? Or I'm struggling in my marriage, you know, which one of you has got a good handle on that? And you could come over and talk for a little while. See, if I'll go crazy, if I'll get hoarse, if I'll throw popcorn, if I'll do whatever, if I'll spend money and, and buy tickets, if I'll fly across the country for somebody who won't even come to my house when I need them, who won't even come across the street to help me out or do anything for me, why wouldn't I give praise, honor, and glory to him who said, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll go with you always even to the end of this world. Give him praise if he deserves it from you today. So my worship, just write this down real quick, it's not based on a feeling. See, I don't have to wait for the mood to hit me. I don't have to wait till they play my favorite song. And and I don't have to feel like a hypocrite in worship, because some people may say, well, I, I feel like a hypocrite, because, you know, things aren't going all that great in my life, or whatever. Here, look at this verse in the book of Habakkuk. Some of you didn't even know there was a book of Habakkuk. Here, here's what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food. In other words, though my interest rate is going down, and I'm not making any money now in my savings. Now, though the stock market fail and my retirement fund diminish, though I had to take a job that pays less money, hello, am I getting to you? You understanding this verse? And there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. In other words, it doesn't make any difference how much money I have in the bank. It doesn't make any difference how good the economy is going. It doesn't make any difference what's going on in the exterior of my life. Yet will I praise Him. Even if all around me falls and crumbles, I will still praise Him. And even a sacrifice of praise, as Hebrews says. Here's the next thing, is worship. I should worship. If I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth, I've got to worship with everything I have. Everything I have. In other words, I don't, I'm not going to come and give a golf clap to God. Oh, you're so good. So good, God. No. I, I like how in sports, uh, college and professional, even though they'll talk about this, let's leave it out, all out on the field today. What are they saying? When they say leave it all out, on that means... I'm not going to give 80% of myself. 
I'm not going to give 90% of myself. I'm not going to give 95% of myself. And especially when I come into the house of God, I'm not going to give 85% for a Savior who gave everything, all that he had, came from his throne in glory down to this planet so that I could have a way up to him. I refuse to give him a minimal amount of my praise. He didn't give minimal for me. I'm going to raise my hands to a God who stretched his hands out for me and allowed them to be nail pierced because he knew is for my redemption, for my forgiveness. So that's why parking lot greeters at Crossroads will get out there regardless of the weather. That's the reason why there are teachers here today. There are helpers in the kids department that are here on a day when it'd be easy to call off and call in and say, I can't come and I can't be there. I'm telling you, even if you don't have a kid in the kids ministry, you ought to go back there today and say, thank you for teaching these kids about Jesus today. Thank you for getting in your car. You might have had to warm it up, scrape the snow off of it or whatever you did to be here today, but thank you. Thank you for leaving it all out on the field. Mark chapter 12 says this. It says, love the Lord your God with some of your heart. Hmm? What version do you have? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Can anybody see the common word that keeps getting used in that verse over and over and over again? If you saw it, everybody shout all if you saw it. He said everything. I've got to give, I've got to put it all out there because he put it all out there for me. And here's something else about worship. If you will do this, if you just bless God this way, expecting God to respond to you. When I lift my praise to him, his power comes down on me. It happens in my life. James chapter 4, verse 8, we've got it up here. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. It's one of my favorite verses. Because, see, if I want to get closer to him, I've got to start moving. He's already come down here, as history records. He's already come and died on the cross for me. We just celebrated Christmas. He came in a manger. He came to this planet. Now, when I draw close to him, he will draw close to me. You see, today, here's why I'm asking. Just like with DeRay, what she said. Would you just take the next step? I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's to go from this to this. Because maybe down here, nobody notices, right? Your boss attends this church, or your best friend, or your husband, what's he going to think, or your wife, or whatever. Maybe they won't notice down here. But what I'm going to encourage you to do today is not care what anybody thinks. 
I'm going to encourage you today to not worry about the public opinion. Not worry about those around you. But instead focus on a God who has done everything for you. Who's enabled you to not only have a good life here on this planet. Because I believe Jesus makes life better. Right? I believe he makes life better. But... In the meantime, regardless of how this life goes, regardless of whether I have food on the table or I don't, regardless of whether I'm well or I'm sick, regardless of whether I have plenty or I'm in want, one day, it could be today, I have no promise of tomorrow, but what I do know is if he comes back or if I go to meet him, I will forever dwell in in the house of the Lord forever. So I've got something to shout about. I've got something to praise him about. And I want to do that today. And so here's what we're going to do. Our worship team's going to come back. We're we're going to do worship part two, all right? And so we've got time. We're, We're ending early. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sing at least a song or two. Is that okay? Is that all right with you? Is it not, it's not too inconvenient for you, right? If we sing one or two more songs or it's not going to bother you too bad or, or whatever, interfere with your day or whatever. Here's what I feel like. I feel like praising Him all the day long, Right? And so what I want you to do, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And our worship team's going to lead us. And I want you to just get a little crazy, all right? Maybe go from here to here, all right? And, and just not worry about anything. Maybe, maybe you want to leave your seat right now, like some are doing. And maybe you want to come down to the mosh pit, all right? You want to come down here and get a little closer. And so I just want to invite you to be able to do that as we lift up the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, right? Let's praise him. Come on.